Ah, there you are. What's up, Mike? How's it going? Ah, oh, good, man. I love, I love Hold the. Hold on, uh, let me. Uh, let me. Hey, nice seat. Heck, oh, you noticed it already that fast, man. <laughs> wow. I, I thought you'd see the shirt first, bro. Scored some good points already. Man, somebody told me yesterday I had on another. We were doing a a, a premiere and in the live chat, he's like. Hey Craig, you need to update your background. That looks stupid. And I was like, Yeah, I know, I know. I would have sent you a picture of me. I know, dude. We we can actually put stuff in the background <laughs> digitally, right? I, I almost wore that same shirt. You did? Yeah. Me dude, and here's, Isaac. Here's what's funny. I had I had mine on, but we didn't want to look like idiots. So then I went and changed. No, and feel free to do look like idiots. <laughs> well, well, the, shirt, the, the shirts have nothing to do with us looking like idiots, let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Bike BMX podcast. We are super, super stoked right now because, uh, Craig, we have a, like, the fa- like a founding father. Like, it doesn't get more founding than what we have right now of our era of BMX freestyle tonight. Um, and dude, like we've talked about this, this, this is a, like, we had a wish list of people that we could talk to. I was just going to say, if it's not cliche coming out of my mouth, it is because I've said, I've made up a wish list when we first started all this. And on that wish list, you know, it, our listeners know it. This guy was at the top of my list, if not right up there. Um, so yeah, I'm super stoked to be here too, man. Um, I can't, I can't wait to get this party started. And, and honestly, dude, like we, we were wearing the same shirt today. Like you guys, like Craig and I, I, we both, I even, I had to take my shirt off before this started. So we didn't look like kids that showed up for first day of school, but this is a good hint at who we're going to talk to tonight. Um, Craig, because you, you cannot stop talking about this, this gentleman, how about you introduce who we have tonight? Well, let me tell you this. I appreciate it. It is an honor. Thank you, Isaac. And ladies and gentlemen, listeners to the podcast and to the Big Bike BMX show, it is my great pleasure and honor to introduce our guest tonight, the legendary, iconic BMX freestyler, Mr. Mike Buff. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How's it going? Man, we're doing good, man. Thank you for coming on the show, man. We so appreciate you being here, man. Isaac, uh, and I obviously are super stoked, as you can tell from our intro. Um, just so glad to have you here tonight, man. Isaac, what are you thinking? About? I, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I would have felt a lot better if you guys both had the same shirt on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, would have felt better about it. I'm about to Dude. change. I'll change right now on camera. I don't even care, bro. <laughs> I don't even care. Dude, it's funny um, you bring that up because Isaac and I usually, when we go on air, we have, you know, as we hook up on uh, Zoom, we usually have the same shirts on. It's crazy. I mean, I, I told them earlier, lucky, luckily we aren't like living together as kids and, you know, grew up as brothers. We'd be brawling over who gets to wear the, the shirt and everything. Right, Isaac? A hundred percent, dude. It's crazy. So Mike, um, I'm going to start off with a couple of questions I have. First of all, um, I want to, I want to get a mix of like, obviously I'm geeking out about old school stuff because I'm an old school flatlander. Um, but I also want to talk about your bikes that, that, that are in the, in the current rotation right now and, and how those came to fruition. Um, dude, you still ride, bro. Like that's, it's pretty incredible. Like, um, 
can you tell me just a little bit about the relationship you have with SE currently um, in the new big bike era? Because a lot of our fans, like a majority of our fans know you as, as, as the Mike Buff. And then a lot of the kids these days are just like, okay, I know of Mike Buff. So how did the, how did the, the new style uh, of these bikes happen? How did, did Todd approach you or did you approach Todd? How did that happen? You know, it, it's crazy. It started with the 40th anniversary, the 20 inch um, in 2017. And the crazy thing is I was totally distant from the sport because I was supporting my daughter's sport that she was involved in. And, and it was my goal to have her reach her goal and become a, a D1 called softball player. Three, two. Swung on and miss. Buff gets back-to-back strikeouts to end the sixth. So I, I, I turned down a lot of offers in the sport because I didn't want to dedicate time to something else. My, my time was to her. And the timing of Todd calling to do a 20-inch for their 40th anniversary was the year my daughter was leaving the college. Unless I wouldn't have done it, to be honest with you. If it was a year earlier, I would have said, you know, if you want to do it, you can do it. But I'm not – I cannot get involved in it. So when that came up, then Todd, they sent me – they sent me they sent me a Fat Ripper and a 29. And I started riding that. And, again, as of right now, the same thing at that point, I was coming off a of rotator cuff surgery. And so I started riding that and just got involved and loved it. It was uh, for all the same reason you do it and everyone else does it. Anyone that rode a bike in the heyday of BMX in the 80s, their, their go-to as they get older, and, and you went through, like, the serious part of life, if you, if you want to call it that, your happy spot's pedaling the bike again. And I started doing it, and and – I ride mountain bikes a lot now because of that, and it's just it, it's my my thing to go get away from reality, you know, just pedaling. If it's at the beach, dirt trails, whatever it is, it, it's uh, full circle, right? So, Mike, um, what Isaac and I are trying to do, and what you know, kind of like the the platform of our podcast and show is, you know, with guys riding 20 inch bikes growing up, you know, from the eighties or from whenever, you know, most, most of us have been on 20 inch bikes all of our, our lives. And so you reach an age and especially the age Isaac and I are at, and, um, and I'm sure you're around there somewhere. Um, you know, 20 inch bikes may not be feasible anymore to ride or, or it's just not that, you know, we're, we're able to do that. So getting into the big bikes is what most of our listeners say, you know, I want to get into it. I don't, I don't really know if it's going to be for me or if it's going to work out a big 29 inch bike. But what we're seeing is, you know, these bikes are really BMX bikes. They're the 20 inch bikes we used to ride just on a, a bigger geometric platform. So, you know, watching someone like you, um, and especially getting a couple bikes from, from Todd, you know, the fat ripper and a 29er, you know, it's, it's, you're still riding. And that is what, you know, most of our listeners, and especially Isaac and I, that pumps us up. We get more stoked seeing guys who we know have been around the sport for all these years, 
getting back into big bike BMX. And uh, I just kind of was wondering, how did you choose the, I mean, you got a fat ripper and you got a 29er. Was there one or another that just, was there a reason why one felt better than the other or, or was it just what you were riding at the time? The, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. Whenever you ride, I think, if you pick the 29, the 27.5, whatever you ride and spend a couple days on and get comfortable, it'll be your favorite bike. They all ride that good. So it, it's kind of, and I think that's what, where you see all these people start collecting them all, right? It's because you can ride them all, and they're all, they're all freaking nice bikes. And, and it, it gives you a little variety, keeps it fun, right? Keeps it interesting. And, and it gives you, again, at this, the, the rebirth, right, uh, of getting back involved in BMX. It's, it's um, you can get whatever you want now, in a sense. You're in control of getting what you want. Before, you could ask for what you want, but your parents were in control of getting it for you. No, absolutely. So I think now, I mean, I hear, I hear so many people say, I wanted a PK so bad when I was young. Now I can get whatever the hell I want. I get one, I get one every year, whatever they choose to do, right? And, oh, yeah, 100%. And, and, and they're, not, they're not beach cruisers by no means, you know? You see some guys going pretty big. You see like Jacob Santos. He's starting to go pretty big on it. Um, it's uh, they're a big BMX bike. I think that's a really good way of wording it. Yeah, man. I actually sent a video to Isaac today. It was a YouTube clip of a guy named Gabe Weed, and he's flat landing a 29er. It's a Dino Comp Volker 29 inch bike. He's tail whipping it decades. Um, the guys riding it like, like you did or Isaac and myself back in the day, but on a 29er and he does that decade or, or no, actually it was a boomerang, right? Did you see that Isaac to get over the top of the bike, bro? He jumps like three feet in the air just to get over. But, it, but the thing is he's riding it because it's, he's riding it like that. Cause it's a BMX bike. You know, it's, you're right. It's not a beach cruiser. Um, these guys, and like you said, Jacob and all these dudes, like Isaac and I, we, I have a PK Ripper plus many other 29ers, 27.5s. I've got 26ers. And depending on which bike I pull off the wall is how I want to ride that day. But no matter what, it's all BMX. So that's what, I, that's what gets me stoked. It's, and I, I tell these guys this, hey, dude, you can get back into this sport. If you love BMX and you want to get aggro and you want to go out and have fun, you can get on these bikes and still do the same stuff. You're just on a bigger, a bigger frame, dude. And you're going to be able to ride like that and have more comfort, feel more in control. And you don't have to worry about that little 20 incher under you. Now I'm not knocking 20 inches. I still have a couple 20 inches. Yeah. Back from the eighties, but you know, watching you still get out there and, and ride that, like I said before, that gets me pumped, man. I get pumped watching people ride. And when I see guys my age still riding and getting gnarly out there. See that? I, can't I, help it. I, I feel, I totally feel the exact same way. But where I see it now is it's so family oriented. You know, you see the dad with their, their son riding. And I'm talking like an 18, 19 year old son. A lot of 
parents don't have any connection with their kids at that age anymore and they start drifting. So that's what I think is super, super cool, right? Um, I remember the first time I went mountain biking with my daughter, I couldn't quit smiling. It was the greatest day of my life. You know, um, we're hitting some pretty good stuff. She's on a you know, good full suspension bike going for it. And to do something you enjoy with your kid is a, it's a special thing. You know, you're, you're lucky if you get to experience that. Yeah, I absolutely. Can, I can agree more. Do, Mike, like, so, and this kind of leads me to my next question, but like, for me, I got my big ripper. Uh, and of course, like I had a blast with it. My kids did a wheelie with them. Um, I went and bought a, a Diacomp boomerang, which gave me a, a, a POTS mod essentially for my front brake. And I went out and you started. You know, that's my brother, right? That invented that? Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to, I have so many questions in a minute. <laughs> so I, I bought, I bought a, a Diacomp boomerang and this is, this is take notes. All you old guys like me, you get a Diacomp boomerang. You can go get any, uh, any like basic Odyssey or, or whatever, 990 break. And then you can add uh, basically a, a front brake for your, your big ripper for whatever bike you have. Um, I'm getting ready to try it on my PK Ripper. I have I have one of the the Black Ops hollow bolts coming so I can do it on my PK. But Mike, what I was saying is I went outside and I told my kids, watch this. And I tried doing tail whips on my big ripper. And boy howdy, do you have to really kick that back end around? Like, <laughs> I, I remember I was trying a 360 on it. And <laughs> and I, I was hitting a speed bump at first thinking, okay, I can just do 180 roll out of it. Yeah, it's it's a that's a big ass bike, right? It is. It is. I mean, dude, I I pulled it. I have it on camera. Like I did it, and like I look around. My kids are like, I mean, my kids are there with me. But you're right, dude. This is it. It, it allows us to have a family moment with our you know our family, and and at the same time relive like the 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 old days. But what what reminded me of it was, um, and I've t I told you this on on Instagram a few times. It reminded me of how much I miss the the buff guard, and and I told you I wouldn't geek out too hard about this stuff, but like, you know, more than more than just like yes, you innovated umpteen tricks. Like I could sit here and name off like a gazillion tricks that I saw you do first, or or that inspired me when I was twelve, and now here I am at forty seven, going, man, if I only had one of those BFD buff guards right now. Like my wife wouldn't be griefing me about putting holes in my shoes. Um, the innovation that, that you had back in the day um, is something that I think is going to influence the big bike culture as well, because you know, we're, 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 you see these kids doing things and it's like, do you see yourself in these kids um, as they're innovating and, and reinventing? Like you'll see them doing these flatland foot, basically wheelie footwork tricks. Right. And I look at him and I'm like, I don't, I don't relate to it. But at the same time, I'm like, shut up, old man, because I'm the, I'm basically that, that guy that was looking at you, that, that, that was like the, the, the racers looking at you doing like, you know, doing like quarter pipe tricks and doing kick turns and doing endos on your bikes. And you're like, that's not racing. Um, but the innovation that's happening right now, tell me about what it was like back in, in those days when you were just, like I can go out and get parts. You you had to make them. 
Yeah, it was it was <clears throat> it was a crazy time for the sport, right? The sport was growing so fast. And and then the freestyle thing it was connected to racing at that point, right? It was you know our first all our shows started, we were doing it on the front straightaway of, of, of big nationals. We're on dirt with a shitty little court six foot quarter pipe and in a kick turn. But that it started somewhere, right? And it just it grew so fast that that a lot of people don't know this. Like we were going, me and RL, which is funny, I talked to him. And he's telling me, this is just another day. I want to get a big bike. My son wants to get this. We want to start wheeling and stuff. So so that's in the works. Um, nice. We would – we were going – and we were I – was, I was 15 when I did my first show in the Houston Astrodome, a sold-out crowd in the Houston Astrodome. Um, so at 16, um, RL's like a year and a half older than me. We were going to Huffy, Murray, Schwinn, all these huge companies doing demos at their factory for all their employees and stuff. So they're seeing, they're getting hyped on this sport to uh, get involved, right? Because it was, it was unknown to people. We'd go in malls whenever we book our, our tour in, um, I like to say smaller towns, we would try to get them to do it at the mall instead of the bike shop, right? You go to the bike shop, you get 100, 200 people in a small town. You go to the mall, there'd be 1,000 people, and you're introducing not just freestyle, but BMX also to, to people that have never seen it. And that's exactly what is going on now. I mean, it, it's parallel to what freestyle was, and – it's riding bikes with your your friends and having fun at fun at it, right? Not having, especially racing now, having it's so specific bike you gotta have, right? Clipped in. Uh, if you don't go in there with this full race bike, you might as well not be there, right? But the street riding is is growing so fast on on these bikes. I mean, in my neighborhood. Just within months, you wouldn't believe all the kids. Like I'm talking, like you know, high school baseball players. They're all riding now. It's just, it's just growing and growing and growing. Uh, all these older guys that are reliving their childhood, they're getting them now. It's just it's growing, and the wheelies are the trick, right? I mean, anyone, I think almost anyone can learn how to wheelie. Then to take it to the next level, like, you know, uh, that DZ is, D-Blocks, all those guys are, it keeps it fun and it's going to keep them riding. Um, I went to London, I think it was like two and a half years ago. Uh, It was for the the book launch of a freestyle book, right? Um, I brought my 29 there. They could, they all they care about are 20 inch bikes. There, you see the bike life over there now. It's crazy, those guys, those guys are so good. Um, 
And there was not a, a big bike over there two and a half years ago. So it's it's uh, it's taking off. It's getting kids riding, which is, is great, right? Um, and the industry's strong right now. Dude, it's super strong. And I think to the point that you were talking about, you know, families getting to, get to ride and, and kids from young to, to parents to everything in between, they can – it's like everybody can participate in this. Um, you know, freestyle was, a, was an era and, and streets an era. And you have to have a certain skill set to kind of to be a part of the upper echelon of those, the, those eras, right? And, and even today, street and ramp, vert, whatever. But with bike life, you know, if we were going to use that term, anybody can be a part of it. And you're right. The wheelie is like the essential basic trick that can you know you can do so many things with it it seems to kind of mold and shape what is bike life um but it, you know it's crazy mike like on some of the ride outs that i've been on you know the kids that are really good at, at wheelies that grind hard that practice hard they, they they get from the wheelie into the combo work and they're doing all that footwork and they're you know that's that's great and that's what they do i can't do it but they're also you know there's some coming up to me going dude what's next what can i do you know, I've, I'm, I'm wheeling, I'm comboing. I go, hey, go to YouTube, man. Look up these guys. Look up Mike Buff. Look up RL. Look up Bob Harrow. And so on and so forth. I throw out as many names as I can. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, they're going to go look. No, they're hungry for it. They come back. I've had kids come up to me and go, hey, bro, check this out. Is this an endo? Um, is, this, is this how you tail whip? And right. They're, and they're pulling it off because kids got to see the video first. And Isaac and I have talked. You know, when we were growing up, we would have to go to the grocery store and, and pull a BMX Plus or Action or Freestyling off the rack and flip through pages and pages and go, okay, here's the trick section. Here's five photos. Here's how it starts. Here's the progression. And here's how you ride out. And we'd have to go home and try to be like, what the hell? And just looking at these pictures. But kids, like I was getting to, are like, they're, they're, they go right to YouTube. All right, I want to learn this trick. I want to see, I want to see a new trick. And they're going out. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy because I was going to ask you, you know, you saw, you saw the freestyle era start and you saw it through its progression and in, and, and yeah. So like with this, do you think like, like what's the direction this can go into right now? It's like a lot of videos, a lot of uh -oh. social media. Where, where's it? Where can this go? It, it, I have my opinion on it. <laughs> Good. I don't know if everyone's going to agree with it. Um, I think there's no limit, right? Um, usually, in, in my opinion, may not be popular. Adults fuck everything up for kids. Um, they see it. They take it over. They want to try to make a profit off it. They, they look at it a totally different way. Let the kids ride. Let them let them decide what it's going to be. Let them figure out. I mean, if, if you could just wheelie say, right, a whole block, and that's what you could do, have fun doing that. If the next step is if you want to hand drag, go to the skate park, do whatever, just, just keep it fun, and that's what's, what's happening now. It's not – you're not being directed – to that you have to make the X Games less, less you're not worth it. It has to be fun, and that's where it's staying 
And that's why my belief is the growth in the, the I thought it would have flattened off, to be honest. And the growth in the last year is phenomenal. It's, it's crazy. It blows me away. And it's because Todd does a, does a great job with it. And, but no one's trying to corral it. Let it go. Let it go wherever they take it. The kids take it. It's their sport. Let them do it. And that's why I believe it hasn't got ruined yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has to do with what you just said. Have, you you got to have fun. You got, and, and you got to let it go where it's going to go. Um, it, it, it doesn't need to be written down and said, here's where it has to start. Here's where it needs to go through. And here's, here's how you got to get to this point. Isaac and I have at length talked about as you have to have fun and you have to ride your bike and you have to grind and, and, and work on those tricks and, and do what you want to do with it and let it go where it goes. So applause. I, I need to, I need to say man. something. I need to say this too, just, just to get this out. Um, you guys, Mike, Mike is a pioneer in a sport that I have grown up with a sport that defined me as a kid, a sport that kept me out of trouble as a kid and a sport that built my fundamental view of society of like, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through the freestyle movement of trying something, failing, learning from not pulling a trick and redoing that trick. And, and, and the skills that I learned there, I say this all the time. If, if the next, then the, the person that will cure cancer is the person that does this type of activity of learning a trick where it's, you fail a hundred times until you pull something off. That's never been done over and over and over learning something again. And here you have a pioneer of the sport saying, let it be Mike has been Mike. Cre- like I can't stress this enough for those of you that are 14, 15, 16, Mike was there. He was the one that invented half of the tricks, more than half of the tricks, the fundamentals that that you do today, that I do today, you can attribute to Mike Buff. And he is telling you, don't, don't get caught up in a system that you have to do what people are, what, what people expect or what, or, or an organization or anything like that. I will tell you this, don't swerve cars. Don't get into that mess. But absolutely go and, and do what, you, what feels fun. If wheelies are fun, do wheelies all day long. Do what makes you happy because you have the opportunity to build this movement that I grew up in and that Mike created and that Craig grew up in. But, but what Mike's saying is, is don't be limited by, by what people are telling you to do or what you see other, your friends do. Um, and Mike, that leads me into a question. Like when you were riding with RL, it's not like there was when, and I'm talking about like the early days when, when it was just BMXers and it was, I mean, and maybe I have a, the wrong interpretation of this, but it felt like growing up, it was like, I would, I would watch BMXers all day, Stu Thompson and, and, and people like that doing, doing racing. And then I was drawn to the freestyle part of it, but it was only you and RL that really got the exposure from the magazines. Um, what was it like in those days? Was it like, just you guys would like, because I can only relate it to me and my friends where I would call my best friend Lee and be like, hey, we're going to meet up at the spot and we would go and ride and, and try and emulate what you were doing. 
but but you didn't have anyone to emulate. It was you just doing this. How what was that like coming up with tricks with RL and 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 your local riders that you rode with? What was what drove you to to continue the sport? What? Well, one, we just love riding, right? I mean, me, you, everyone. I ride my bike from after school to time to go to bed, weekends. I used to ride, ride my bike 10 miles. This is when I was 12. 10 miles to the racetrack, race, then ride home. And that I, I think a lot of people started that way, right? So we had a little bit of advantage, I guess. So, so this is how it started for me. So I'm, I'm this 13-year-old kid, right, the youngest of four brothers, my, my uh, dad passed away when I was really young, so a single mom. And, she, you know, she did everything in the world for us. You know, I mean, back then, I freaking built a pump track in my backyard. Um, wasn't called a pump track back then. Anyways, so I was 13 years old. And I, I remember, so the local track was, uh, God, I can't think of the name of it, in Torrance. RL's dad had something to do with it. Obviously, he owned BMX Action Magazine. They'd see me there. I was racing a national, like the downhill Corona track. And I crossed the finish line, and he walks up to me, hands me his business card, and said, call me during the week. I'd love to talk to you. He goes, uh, bring your mom. I go there, and again, 13-year-old kid, right, have a meeting with, with Bob Osborne, the editor, and he, you know, he says, I'd like you to be a test rider for the magazine and race, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, go to this bike shop, pick out anything you want. Build a bike. Because back then, right, you pick the frame, for bar, whatever. And I was like, going, what the hell? <laughs> we go to the bike shop, and I'm like, going, how big do I go here, right? And this is when I just met RL, right? And uh, RL has that gift that can talk you into anything or make you at least believe it. And he's going, he's going yeah, yeah, get bullseye hubs, get this, get that. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. No, no, don't worry, you won't care. So I, walk, I remember I walked away with a torquer, bullseye hubs, just every piece I wanted. A 13-year-old kid, right, never had – uh, uh, any kind of sponsorship or anything. Anyway, so that's where it started. So now we're testing every month for the magazine. So I learned a lot about what made bikes work, you know, angles, what was good, what was bad. Um, so then from there, I was probably, I think I was 15 when the, we started doing like a rock walk and stuff like that. And, uh, I was racing. I just turned pro and I was racing and I would ride with RL and Bob Hart all the time. We just, you know, having fun. And so I was doing what they were doing, but it was kind of low key. No one knew. Right. And I think they did two shows together. They split up and, and they, they offered me the position become on the trick team. I'm like, oh, you know what? I just turned pro. I really want to give this a shot. I was 15. Um, and, and they made it worth it for me to 
to go do it. And that was the Houston Astrodome, the Supercross, my first show. And, but it was, was, uh, we didn't know what we were doing. You know what I mean? We were just riding, having fun. We didn't think, oh, this is, this is going to happen, this. And the sport was growing so fast, the freestyle side of it, that we didn't know what the hell we were doing. You know, we would, uh, it, it was the most amazing time. Like, I went back recently when they did the, the Birth of the Freestyle Movement book to give them some information. I have, like, our itinerary for a year. I'm in high school now, right? We would fly out. And this was, I know this for, like, three years in a row. For five weeks in January and February, we would leave. I would fly out Thursday night. And fly back Sunday to Canada, and we'd do the uh, the motorcycle dealer shows. Like they'd go from um, each place each weekend across Canada, and we there. So I would fly out, be gone Friday through Sunday, come back, go to school Monday through Thursday, fly back out. I think we were home two weekends out of the whole year. Damn, a sixteen-year-old kid, dude! What a way to get thrown to the wolves too on your first show. Uh, you know, the trick team's going to the Astrodome, right. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, and well, that's, that's here it is, dude. The funny thing is, that's one of probably the most legendary pictures of me and RL dropping in from a low angle, and you see the top of the, the dome, right? Oh, definitely. Um, it, it's nuts, you know? I mean, we were going to Saudi Arabia <laughs> in high school. That's insane. Uh, Figure that one out. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, your kids. I mean, it's like one minute. Can you, you're, imagine, you're... <laughs> can you imagine when your kids say, I'm going to tell you. So it was Saudi Arabia for like 20 days and then uh, Holland for 20 days. And uh, Scott Ryop was our adult supervision. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. He that said, was, uh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> If you didn't think I didn't grow up on those 40 days that I I ever did in my life. You aged like 10 years Uh, in one month. uh, (laughs) Stuff I seen or we do. Again, I I think I was 17 maybe then. And you look back and what the hell is wrong with my mom letting me do this? Right? Oh my God, dude, Mike! I relate to that so much. I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. Um, I got pictures in the trip. Um, you know, I brought this a little shitty camera, and we have this like we're in this bitch and BMW, freaking driving on Danny Laporte's motocross track. I don't know if you guys know Danny Laporte. Yeah. He's a world champion motocross rider. You know, American rider. We go to visit him, and he has a track in his backyard. He wasn't home, so we take the BMW out there jumping. You know, um, that's Scott's. That's Scott's influence. Just to throw that out there. Um, just, just crazy, right? Uh, oh my god, dude! Like, I think all of our parents are like that because I grew up with a single mom too. And, same here. And, and uh, I remember, I remember, I was so so I was sponsored by MCS Bikes at the time. 
and they were like, "Hey, I want you to come." They were like, "Hey, we want we want to debut the the Styler Two, which was." Uh, man, I don't know if I want to say. It. Okay, uh, we're we're all friends. Same, it was bro. like they they were not great bikes, Mike. Um, the bikes, and it was one of those things where well, I was like, there weren't a lot of bikes weren't great, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the CW, great. the CW. When I rode for CW, that was the biggest piece of shit I ever rode. <laughs> Dude, okay, so I'll tell you, like. It was rough, man. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Like, I had to go to – I lived in Northern California up in, up in Stockton. And, and I lived in Lodi. The guys from Robbie's Bike Shop in Stockton were like, we'll drive you to Interbike because it was a bike show. Interbike is a bike show. And they were – and MCS was like, we want you to come and ride the, the Styler 2 at this, this bike show, Interbike. And, like, I look at my mom now as a parent. I'm like – what the hell did you let me do? Because she was, I was like, mom, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Long Beach for a weekend. And these guys that you don't know are going to drive me in this car uh, with our bikes and I'll be back Sunday sometime. And she's like, seems legit. <laughs> and then you're over so, here like, I went to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> with Scott. <laughs> so listen to this one. We left on summer two. So the summer tour thing is, uh, it was us, then Paul Harrow was leading on his, right? Everyone wanted to claim the first summer tour, right? Freestyle summer tour. I got out of high school the day I, whatever the school ended that day, uh, back then it was 10th grade, right? High school started. We left on the road. Me, RL, um, one of RL's friends, I believe, and, and Duke from Oakley. Again, our great, our great chaperone, right? In um, two vans and a big-ass freaking trailer with our ramps and stuff in it. And, and then what, what they used to call the Map Thomas guy? And figuring this shit out. Can you imagine that? Instead of having you know, your cell phone and all that. And we would... There were no rules, right, back then of how to do this. We would, I swear to God, we'd go from Texas to Florida to Texas to New York. I mean, just unreal because we had to go where they let us, right, where they were willing to pay us to do a show. We were taking whatever they would give us. And, uh, I mean, looking back at it, it was the greatest freaking time of my life. At the time, you're like, what the hell? We were in Texas three weeks ago. Why are we back here after going to Florida? And um, it was uh, take away the riding part of it. The life lesson was, was uh, you couldn't pay for it. What we got out of that, you know, and the uh, like. I we me and RL we talk and it, the the bond. Even with Duke, right? He was our announcer and, again, uh, adult supervision. Um, it, it's <laughs> – it's um, you know, you keep hearing people say bike bring bond, brings bonds. And for us, it's uh, – it honestly is a life lifelong friendship That's that you couldn't do any other way. Are you still tight with RL? Like, do you still talk – we we talked more recently because he's getting back involved. Um, but if we don't talk for two years, saying we talk, it, it's it's 
the stuff that comes up instantly and the, the, the memories are just, they'll be there forever. You know, we toured, I think four years and probably from when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever, four years together. Then I went to CW. Um, and that summer tour in a van together for, you know, basically three months, then, uh, flying out every weekend to do weekend shows. Uh, we were just talking the other day about how we, we'd wake up in the airport. We'd find the wing, like in the airport where nobody was because we had a layover. We'd be sleeping on the floor underneath the seats, and we'd wake up, and it would be crowded full of people. And we'd be, like, crawling out from underneath their legs. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's a shit that wouldn't happen these days, that's for sure. Do you do... – so, so looking at that time, like, t- what was it like? What was, and this is me just asking a personal question. Like, as someone like Craig and I, the, Craig and I bonded. Um, our first, I interviewed Craig on, on this podcast. And we bonded over the idea of like, remember what it was like when your mom would be like, hey, we're, I'm going to go to the grocery store. And you're like, I'm there. Not because you wanted groceries, because you, because the new BMXA came out, right? You were like, I would go and check. And like, this is the new, is the new BMXA out? Is the new BMX plus? What was it like being around Wizard back in those those early days? Was it because I have it built up in my head that it was like an absolute port, like a party all the time? That Bob was a cool guy. Like, what's Bob like? What was what was that like being part of of because that's we lived and died by that. Like Craig talked about, like the you'd see the sequences, right? And you're like, I don't know if he spun two times in that sequence or if he spun one time or what was that? Because it seemed like a family affair too, with Wendy, Wendy being a photographer, Oz being a photographer. What was that like? It was again. Remember, I started there when I was thirteen, right, as a test rider. So I, I was in awe at first, right. Then you just it just becomes part of life. But he, I tell people, Bob Osborne had a way of connecting with the youth in a way that no one else had. I mean, he, he, was, he was a huge, still is a huge influence on my life, the way I make decisions. Um, it wasn't a party by no means. So, so it was not a party. It was not a, he, he ran a tight ship and he, he was, he wanted everything perfect. And I mean perfect, right? And he expected that out of you also. So so sometimes you're like going, fuck. <laughs> but 30 years later, you're going, God, that, that made me who I am today. Um, we would be doing fo- uh, photo sessions. I swear to God, if you'd be doing the same thing 100 times, one more time. One more time. One more time. Um, and you're like, shit, I know you got it. But he wanted it so perfect. But it made you want to do a perfect form, right? Because you wanted that picture in the magazine. Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah. Think, and, and on behalf of everyone that ever, like, everyone that grew up biking has a picture we all did the same thing. We all chopped up our magazines and put them on our walls. 
and, and, and like amazing. My, my, my next question, this is a personal question that I've always wanted to ask and I've always wondered, um, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, was there ever a time when you would get like, and I'm not trying to bash a bike, but like, let's say you got like, we're going to, we're going to test a Hutch wind styler or something that you knew wasn't like, like I would look at, I would see on the cover, Mike Buff tests X bike. And I'm like, Oh God, Mike's going to break that bike. Like there's no way it's going to hold up to Mike. And then you'd see the pictures and you'd be like, the handlebars kind of slipped on the stem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, were, were you ever nervous about like, Oh God, don't make me test this bike. No, I'll, I'll go to tell you a lot of people ask this question. I've never broke a bike in my life. I never cracked a PK. Like, you know, I jumped off some pretty high roofs and the flat landing or ramped a flat. I never broke a bike. Out of all the testing we ever did, because you got to remember at that one point, everyone was trying to get into BMX, right? I mean, if there it was Royce Union or whatever the crap brands were. So I remember one bike we tested, just just couldn't do it. And and I mean we we uh, we just couldn't do it. And and he would call the whoever well, I don't remember who it was. He would call them and just say, Hey, we can't do we can't run this, blah 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 blah. They come back with something better. That's how powerful uh, BMX action and Bob Osborne was in the sport. Um, so no, I never broke nothing. Never worried me. Uh, yeah, weird. A lot of people think I broke PKs a lot. Never. Hey, you know what, Isaac? I'll tell you this one, and this gets off topic from the bike thing. But as a kid, and obviously knew you as a you know a fan as you know of your riding and your style and 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 the trick team, uh, Mike, but two things I wanted really bad as a kid as I wanted to wear goggles and I wanted curly hair. <laughs> two things. <laughs> Mike and RL had the curliest like 80s, 70s. Afro? Yeah, man. It was, it was pretty wicked. You couldn't, you couldn't top Mike and, and RL for the hair. And then Mike, you know, you saw a lot of guys with the, with the uh, goggles up on the, on their helmet, right? Mike wore those things, dude. Mike used to wear his goggles. And I was like, dude, I like that guy, man. He's different. He's not just keeping them up on the helmet, man. He's got them down on his face. So like the style back then too, you're talking about, you know, uh, Osborne, uh, Bob Osborne, like wanting everything perfect and this and that, but you guys were, you had your own flair. And I was telling this to Eddie Fiola, like you guys came with something that nobody else had. I used to wonder when you guys would would rehearse or practice or choreograph tricks because when you watch your old videos, man, it's like, this is not just being made up on the fly. You guys are doing tandem tricks. You're, you're doing kick turn stuff, timing and all those things. Like how much time did you have to work on stuff, Mike? And, and did you guys come, I mean, you know, you got it. You're going from location to location across the United States overseas. Were you guys also making up tricks during or between shows? Yeah, but there's always good, good and bad about that, right? Because whatever you're doing 
in the shows, you got really good at. And and me and RL worked really really good together. Um, so then we ride with local kids, right? Then you would see one local kid kind of doing something. Then you pick up on it, and that, so you picked up on a lot of stuff um, from local kids because, like you said, you didn't get to ride a lot because we drive into town, do a show, load up. Um, especially in the early days, because they weren't like, say, from our first tour to the last tour, where it was very organized. <laughs> you know, we we uh, would go from one town, 100 miles, next town, 100 miles, next, instead of, you know, crossing half the United States. Um, we found out how big Texas was really quick, put it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, doing shows as much as we did, you perfected what you were doing. It did slow you down on progression, though. So there was uh, the good, bad you take, right? And we practiced a lot, like, you know. And yeah, remember, we were both full-time high school students also. And um, my mom didn't cut me no slack there. I love your mom. Like, my mom <laughs> didn't give me any slack either. You so know? I, I love that. She didn't expect uh, straight A's or nothing like that. And she got, like, uh, she totally understood the opportunity, but it wasn't going to be given to me. You know, I had to get C's, straight C's. Um, teachers were unreal back then um, compared to what I uh, came across with my daughter growing up. Um, they cared about you. They saw, again, that opportunity, you know, hey, do this on the plane, do this. And, and they would work with me. I, I'm guessing you wouldn't get it that, that these days. Um, so I, uh, I, li I, I, I lived a gifted life, and I know that, even though it was a sport we loved as a kid and then got to live that life and then – Again, reliving it now, um, I, I don't take it for granted, that's for sure. I, I have a question for you. Um, in, in between our little intermissions, um, you showed off a sweatshirt that your daughter has. Um, I'm hoping it's still close by. Um, but, but you had a, like, you, you created like your, a side hustle. And I'm a I'm a customer of your side hustle because of that B, like BFD, because of that that break the the brake bolt the caliper bolt yeah, and look at that you guys hold that up for a second. Mike, you got to talk a little bit. Yeah, talk just talk through it like you hold, know hold that up and tell really me about, about BFD. This is um, Hot Shop Dave Marietti. He was a friend of mine, BMX racer. Who his business his business is phenomenal now. He did this, and you can I don't know if you could tell the the pink was a whole new thing back then, and it, it sticks out. It, it, it's really cool, and my daughter still has one somehow. How like so so you innovating parts back then, um, like I, I got to tell you, like the, 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 the buff guard was a genius idea. Saved my mom so much money on shoes. Um, what was, I mean, just creating parts back then. How did that stuff happen? How old were you when BFD was formed? And, and like, like the, the side hustle of that was just amazing. And I remember 
there's two things I remember. A, it worked. B, you gave me a sticker when I bought it. There was a BFD yeah. sticker. And, and so I was like, you know what? Like Buff gets me because I had that BFD sticker on my cash. I had a white cash max seat. I'll, I'll always have this image burned into my head. I plastered it kind of at an angle on my seat. And it was a clear, it was just a clear sticker. And I had that thing on, on my, my Harrow Master for, I mean, that seat stuck with me for three bikes, bro. Like, what was it like being a young kid? I, I say kid, but like you were a kid, being a business owner at the same time. Well, back then, if we wanted something, there was nothing at that point, right? <clears throat> if you come up with a decent idea, you had to run with it. And again, that I'm sure having that knowledge probably again comes back to my relationship with Bob Osborne. Um, and being at the forefront of the sport back then, right? Whatever we wanted, we had to make, get someone to make or something, right? So um, again, that was a very simple product that, that really worked, right? Because that freaking hurt. That's a kind of tender spot of your foot where that thing would get jammed in. And now can you imagine, say, doing 30 of those a day? It starts to hurt, right? I remember so doing it. Was, it 30. Uh, a very simple uh, solution. I remember doing 30 of those a day, like, <laughs> over 30, because I was like, man, I got to learn a tail whip. I got to learn right. this front wheel hop. Yeah, so it was a, <clears throat> you know, Dan, I don't know if I can answer your question, but I think it was just being in the environment I was in. I am geeking so hard right now. Okay. Um, and, and looking at big bikes now, you said, like, what is your preferred bike? Like, right now, if I said, hey, Mike, uh, Craig and I are going to come by. Let's go for a, a ride around the block. I have a hard time picking because I have a big ripper. I have a, a PK275, and I technically own a, a Duro, but my son, who's 12, um, I bought that for him because that's the only bike that will get him off of Fortnite and stop playing video games. He's like, it has gears, and he'll go and ride it in a heartbeat. And I live in Phoenix, so right now it's summertime. It's 100 and, 120 outside, and he's like, I'm like, bro, put on shoes, and he's like, I'm in. Um, so like you said, like it's a family thing, bikes, these, these new bikes that Essie and Todd are putting out is a great way to connect with your family again. Um, I say this all the time, Mike, if you're grabbing a bike right now and you're going to ride down to AMPM with Craig and I, what bike do you grab? Um, probably a fat ripper. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I wasn't too fond about it, but, um, Again, I had a uh, rotator cuff surgery not too long ago. So, right, I, I've been on a bike probably two weeks now since February. I haven't ridden. And I got a fast ripper thinking <clears throat> I could pedal, right, not use my upper body because that was the big thing not to do is use my shoulder. So I got that. I, I'm really fond of that bike, having gears. Um, I think that, again – will introduce a whole lot more people to the sport. Again, um, if I was going to do a perfect bike, it'd be the Fat Ripper Geometry 
with a 2.8 tire. That'd be the, the, the perfect bike, you know? You'd have enough tire to absorb, you know, the bumps or whatever and take a beating. Um, and like I said, the geometry on the Fat Ripper is um, it's spot on. You know, it's uh, it's not boxy. It's really sleek and okay. So I'm not 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 can't use my upper body really that much yet. I've been riding that bike back on it for like a week, and the other day I took one pedal to get the front end up, and it just coasted like twenty feet. I don't know if you could do that on any of them, or if you watch them hand hand drag on the Fat Ripper. And, and some of those guys that's really huge over in, like, France right now, honest to God, they do a hand drag 100 feet and pull it up. Yeah, that's I crazy. Mean, tr trust me, so those kids are highly talented kids, right? No doubt in my mind. That has a lot to do with the bike, too, though. It, it has a lower kind of center of gravity, um, sits low. They drop the seat, obviously. It makes them real low. Uh, they have one hand just leaning back as far as they can drag it, and the bike just floats. It, it's a great bike. Dude, Mike, when, once your shoulder gets back to, to 100% or whatever, you're, you're back on your comfortable, you do whatever you want to do, what bike are you going to ride when you beat Todd Lyons in the wheelie contest that he's challenged you uh, to or you challenged him? I challenged we, him. That's right. We, we want to know. It, I mean, you, you can take him, right? <laughs> I can't take him because he's he's the boss, right? Well, you know, well, you know, I don't know how you take it. He might uh, the Fat Ripper might be my last bike. <laughs> I, I want to keep going. I gotta stay on his good side. And I think you just go for it, dude. I think he's just straight up, just show him. Maybe we'll to do it in uh in uh wheelchairs or something. I don't know. <laughs> in wheelchairs, we're both pretty wounded always. I love that. Mike, what was your, like, thinking back, um, do you have a favorite bike that you rode? Like, what was your favorite setup that you rode as, as, like, as a youngster? We've talked about, like, what you like to ride now, but, like, when you were younger, did you have a favorite bike? Before, when I, like, started, I, I was, again, 14, 15. This is uh, <laughs> back when I could ride whatever part I wanted. I didn't have to, you know ride anything for you know a sponsor or whatever i had and i have pictures of me in the skate park riding this it's a quad angle goes back to se still a quad angle botima forks redline v-bars um tough wheels you know for skate park we always thought they you had to have tough wheels right um even though they work like crap and you're way better with uh, spoke wheels but you know, back then when you didn't know better, or they lasted, right? It was great. Um, I loved that bike. As uh, when I was a rider, sponsored rider, Hutch Hutch was incredible. Um, uh, that bike, I don't know if you remember, I had like a candy apple Hutch. Hands down, my favorite bike I ever had. Hands down. Um, that one is where. He gave me full control of what they were doing, right? Because when I 
went to Hutch, they didn't have a freestyle bike. And it started with, um, I, I remember it was, I was at, they flew me out to the Grands. I was sharing a room with Tim Judge and we were talking about it and his bike had the steepest head angle of all the, all the uh, Hutch race bikes. And that's where it started with was his, his, uh, you know, a judge model. And then we went from there and, and fine tuned it. And then we remember, um, the, uh, support that came off the head tube straight at first. Then we switched it and went through the down tube into the top tube because it would push into the, that down tube and it would crush. So he came up with that design and worked. Um, again, he was a perfectionist, Hutch. His, all their stuff was, was great quality, and he took pride in it. Um, so that was by far the favorite bike. I remember. And I'm sure you guys remember that, that CW before I went there, uh, that luggage rack. And that's <laughs> what they had. And, and when, I, when I went there, I had my meeting with them. I, I straight up told them there was no way in hell. I would ride that thing. And they were willing to to make changes on that, but they wouldn't rejig it. And that thing had really bad geometry, really bad. I mean I, I remember we had to run a we had to run a reverse laid back seat post to make it work because there was like five feet between the, the seat and the bars. Yeah. <laughs> and uh they weren't willing to work with us. I know, I know Craig has a question, but I got to tell you, man, I remember looking, talking about geometry, as just a young kid, I remember learning like the physics of it all. I remember every time you would have a bike, they would be like, okay, here's the bike test. And they would give the, like the, the specifications of the bike. Right. The head tube was always something that made me choose the bike. And I remember every bike had a 72 degree head tube. And, and until the Hutch had a 75, I remember. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like, I, I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I, I believe this is fact. I could boomerang better than Scotty Freeman back in the day. And so boomerangs was my favorite, favorite trick. And Scotty I really, might come up your ass for saying that. But. Dude, Scotty will <laughs> whoop my ass for that. And I welcome it. I love Scotty Freeman. Um, but I remember I would always look at the head tube angle and I, that's the only thing that mattered to me. And they were all like 71, 72. Yeah. And so um, it just blows my mind that you're like, yeah, the geometry and, and the head tube angle of that, that hutch, man. I totally remember that. And I think that's where like RL with the, uh, I forget what it was, RL 22 or something like that. I think we had an advantage over a lot of people because of our testing in the magazine, right? We found out what worked, what didn't work, you know, feel it's good or whatever. And, um, Obviously, that made the bike a lot more comfortable jumping and stuff, right? So I think we were ahead of a lot of people there. You know, one of the things that um, I wanted to bring up, I think we talked about it a little bit, was, was RL making a comeback, Mike. And we recently, so RL did that in the last, I don't know, five, four, five, six months. We recently have seen another comeback from a guy who's, you know, was in the freestyle uh, era of the eighties, uh, in Fred blood also making a comeback. Um, so it seems like, you know, with the resurgence of bikes and everything's, you know, out there, you can't even buy a bike in the stores right now, anywhere. Um, 
how do you see, I mean, not that you, you have to make a comeback or, or call it that, but do you see like interacting with, with RL or do you, have you guys talked at all about maybe getting together, um, doing something like he's doing with the pump track or the flatland or, or even like a how-to videos that him and his son are doing? Like, do you have any inclination to, to be a part of that? Or is it just that you've just been here and doing this where it doesn't need to happen on that? type of yeah I, i'm i'm happy where where what i'm doing right now my involvement now um <clears throat> you'll never see me ride a 20 inch my knees can't take it i have a 20 inch here i have a skate park that's like five minute ride from my house i'll get to the end of my driveway i'm, I'll, I'm gonna go ride a 20 inch i get to the end of my driveway i turn around park it grab a 26 yeah, um, dude. my body can't take it i've had five knee surgeries i shattered both angles um it just doesn't work. No, uh, I, but we have talked about doing some kind of reunion stuff, and and um, we are definitely going to do a, a a podcast together or something. Uh, you know, we haven't found any guys that have a good enough podcast to do it yet. Do you guys know anyone? Um, I think I know two guys who would be super <laughs> stoked, dude. Not kidding you. You you say the word, I will, and if he'll do it, I'll pick up RL and Dylan. And, I, and we'll come meet you down in, in L.A. or whatever. We'll, you say go, we'll make it happen. Whatever it takes. Yeah, I know two guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, it, you know, we're not in a hurry to make it happen. Um, it definitely will happen. It just has to kind of be, you know, good timing and work out. And, um, uh, I just redid a tour shirt. I don't know if you guys seen that. And uh, – the reaction to that was, was phenomenal. Dude, it's like wildfire. Like um, if you're on Facebook or if you, you know, look at Instagram or even in the museum, man, it just having you guys present during, you know, this new era of bike life and, and even, you know, that RL is really not saying he's, you know, anything but making a comeback and he's, but he's getting on the bike, man. He's making videos uh, it, it just brings this level of like I was talking about earlier where I watch people ride and then that gives me stoke. I want to go ride, but watching you guys do it is it's like an inspiration, man. And it sounds like I'm philosophers, whatever that word is <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really getting deep into the weeds with it, but it, it just gets me so pumped. And I know Isaac too, cause we talk offline watching RL do his thing and, and, and all the guys who are like, coming back it's just it's such like i said an inspiration man so whatever you do um there's limitations we're, we're getting older <laughs> our, our bodies are telling us maybe not this maybe not that and if you can you can and if you and if you can't because of those limitations then we get it the fact that you guys are talking and you're talking about a reunion or a t-shirt or an interview all that and any of that is is super rad man and we're we're glad that you're doing that we're glad you guys are talking and and, and making things happen so if it's, we can ever be a part of that dude yeah even if I, we're standing there as fans again I, yeah it's stoked I mean, mike here's what's funny like i for me the the you nailed it earlier when you said like you know hey it's it's you know you've got these guys that wanted quad angles when we were kids and now you know and your mom couldn't afford it you know what i mean and, and so now it's like i i can afford a quad angle if i wanted a quad angle or something like that but 
um, the nostalgia just pulls on my heartstrings. Like you posted a picture probably two months ago and it was like you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were like at the beach on a pier and it's you and a JT racing Jersey shirt, long sleeve shirt, right. whatever. And I mean, for me, I'm like, as a grown ass man, I'm like, you know what, man? God damn it. I love Mike Buff. You know what I mean? It was like, it was so good to see that like, I'm not alone uh, as an older writer that's enjoying my youth. I could be out doing the typical you know, uh, what do they call it? Like the, the midlife crisis thing where I'm buying a Harley and, and doing all that stuff. But man, I just want to hang out with, you know, people that I grew up with idolizing. And it's kind of awkward to say that because it's, you know, we're sitting here having a conversation, but like, let's be honest, dude, I had Mike Buff pictures on my wall. I had your products. I had your sticker on my seat. And to see like people like you and RL and Todd, uh, so accessible to to your fans i have to say thank you for that first of first and foremost and and man i would love to interview you and rl but even if that doesn't happen just the fact that you are posting and sharing your life now uh is such a it's such a, a comfort especially right now in this time in this chapter in our lives when we're like the world is upside down and and I can log on to Instagram and and just have a couple moments where I'm like, the world is okay. You know, Mike's still writing. He's writing a brand. <laughs> like I, I grew up with GT, or I'm sorry, JT. And and seeing that is such a comforting moment just for a couple minutes. And and I gotta tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um yeah, seeing a lot of these old companies um, come around like Zero Nine is doing stuff. Um, I hope JT really, really focuses on, on their heritage because that company back then, um, it, it's, it's history right there. That, co that company is as much as part of the sport as anyone. You know what I mean? It was, it was probably – one of my favorite sponsors um you know they take care of their riders the, the product was like beyond quality of any other of the competitors they fit right you know um it's funny because we had to have different sponsors right because we were representing the magazine so you know we had we couldn't have the same sponsors because then people would complain saying so-and-so is getting all the airtime, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, and I just remember that was one company RL was like pissed off that I had because their, their stuff was just so freaking good. And, you know, his pants would be like two inches too, too short or whatever. <laughs> and the JT stuff was just spot on perfect always. Um, they make custom stuff for us. Uh, it was uh, it was great. Then for him to come back and um, – and let's let's see what happens, you know. Yeah, man, and that's the coolest part is because the JT racing of that era has has long been gone. I'll just say that. But I don't mean that they're not present anymore. They're new faces, new owners. Uh Lewin Fraser, who we had on the show, 
has as much passion for what we're doing with our big bikes that you would think that he's been a part of this his whole life and he and he hasn't and he and he'll tell you that he's so excited you know just for what we're doing and he wants JT he knows the legacy he knows the lineage and the pedigree that JT is to BMX and he doesn't want that to go away so you're right I mean Isaac you can't deny the fact that these companies wanting to be a part of this especially the lineage companies se jt racing and taking it from what it was 20 30 years ago and still wanting to cultivate um the sport and the people that are surrounded by it it's it's phenomenal and it's and and they're not just doing it to to cash grab they really want to be like a company that that has our backs i mean they're they're showcasing riders. They're bringing on board uh, top-level dudes to represent the company. And they're showing up to rideouts. Lewin was in Santa Cruz a couple weekends ago. Came out from – he lives in New York, and he's staying in uh, Atlanta. Right. But he came out to represent and not you – know, you know, he didn't send a box of stuff to give out. He, he showed up himself, Mike, and it was like, dude, JT Racing's here. You know, they're still in the game. So I'm going to shout out, you know, Lewin and JT definitely for, uh, for continuing to support and be a part of this uh, right along with us, right down to the street level. You know? Yeah, we went, me and him went out to dinner actually like six months ago. And um, he came, came out to L.A. and we met, went to dinner and talked. And he has a chance to do something that, that's kind of unheard of, right? Um, if he, if he could, could, uh, I mean, that logo is, is as strong today as it was back then, you know, that, that, that's pretty tough to say. So, uh, yeah, I, I really wish him well and hope to hope it works out. I feel, I feel the same way about Kevin and zero nine. I really hope that they do. I really hope that, that they're able to, to capture bike life and that they do it you know, I hope that I hope that they're able to um, capture that. You know, I, I tell everybody, I am your perfect, I am your perfect customer because, and and Craig and I, we've bonded about this. But you know, like for us, I remember walking into every bike shop USA, and and be, you know, like we've already discussed, like I didn't have any money. But every, and I apologize to every bike tech in the world that's ever had to deal with me asking if I can look at the stickers in the, in the display case, but like, you know, having, you know, just buying a sticker and, and having that, like, if I see someone with a a JT racing shirt right now, walking in Phoenix, I'm like, I will pull the, I will swerve my truck over and be like, Hey, you don't know me, but we're going to be friends. And that, that's what this does. It's um, JT, uh, Kevin. Kevin has a, 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 a huge opportunity with his background that he could do something really good. Um, I had a great relationship with those guys back in the day, riding for them. Um, but uh, it's funny, that photo of the ad, watch, I'm going to walk away. I'm gonna, yeah, I still have this hanging in my garage right here. 
I know exactly uh, what you're about to show. I think everybody has this picture on their wall, or they, you will recognize it as soon as Mike shows you this. And, and this thing has been, this was the display they used. You see it good? Oh, yeah. This was the display they used for the number plate in all the shops. And I don't know how it survived this long. It's been hanging in my garage the whole time. And, um, but that picture right there is, is probably one of the most iconic, long-lasting photos in the sport. And that was for a, a full-page ad they did, and it just grew like crazy. Yeah, I was talking to Kevin about that not too long ago, and he was just like, tell me another picture that is more iconic than the ones we took with Mike. And, and you know you're right, man. Kevin – and Lewin and all these guys, they're the opportunities and they're taking it. And, and, you know, zero nine is coming out and not coming out. They've got a 29 inch bike that right. that's uh, fabbed up by Craig Turner. Right. The, the thing's legit. Um, it's a good bike. It's, it's, you know, I haven't ridden it, but I've seen it. I mean, it, it's not just manufactured to get out there and go, okay, I want to be a part of this, you know, zero nine, uh, invested in the time and and craftsmanship skills of a of craig and and wanted to put out something that's quality you know and and i commend kevin john for that uh in zero nine just like i do lewin with everything he does with gt so i'm glad you brought up kevin man and you know i i can't wait to see what these guys do with that opportunity to get in and and, and keep moving this sport forward because those are the types of of backing we need in this sport to, to progress where it's going to go. Cause we, like you said, we don't know where it's going to go. This thing's going to blossom and bloom by the riders making it what it is, but it also needs the backing of the pros, the, 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 the sponsors and, and the folks like Lewin and, and Kevin to, um, to fuel that and funnel it to where, you know, where it has to go, Mike. So, you know, perfectly. Yeah. But how special could it be for zero nine with the original owner still? You oh, know? totally. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, kind of like the me. You get away from the sport, you do what you got to do, and then the sport comes back around and you're involved in it. And, yeah, and uh, that, that's super exciting too. Like the other, I, I had a zero, I have a zero nine sticker. Um, and I'm like, it says factory zero nine. So I sent a picture of that to Kevin. I said, hey, dude, when was this sticker from? And he goes, man, that was our first issued factory 09 sticker from 1979. And I go, dude, and that just, you know, hearing that, it tells you, obviously, these guys have been around throughout decades and decades of time. Kevin and his brothers, you know, they're going to the grands. They're, they're, they're approaching riders and going, we want you on a team. We want to be a part of this, and we want to support you, and we want you to – you know, continue doing what you do with our branding on you so we can move you forward and progress you through this process. How cool is that? A company that's 40 years old still wanting to be into the game, in the game, you know? Owen, his brother Owen, and Owen, he yeah. was, you know, he's the original owner. We talked maybe a year ago and he wanted to do a plate with me. And we were going to do a plate. I just didn't know if if um, the bike life is needs it. You know what I mean? 
Um, but they wanted to do, do stuff with me. That, that was a, a great feeling. You know, coming back around with these guys that you were with when you were 16 years old. And now, you know, 55 now, and still having a connection. That's, uh, that's uh, special. It is, man. And let me, let me not forget Todd. Let me not forget Todd Lyons and SE Bikes. Who's Todd? I, you know. Who is he? You, I don't know. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I'm speechless on that one. We, we, can go, we can go round and round on who Todd Lyons is. Todd will tell you who he is. <laughs> he don't have Without a problem. problem. I, no problem there. <laughs> here's, here's what's funny. I always call myself not a Todd Lyons fanboy. But I got to tell you, man, I owe – I owe that man a lot because I would not be having as much fun as I'm having right now if it wasn't for Todd Lyons and and SE Bikes because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to dis I won't diss another bike manufacturer but I will tell you that like it does sadden me man I don't know if I should say this out loud it saddens me that that companies like uh, say it. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say it dude dude okay, i always i always tell him say it uh, right and he, when he goes i don't know if i should say this should i i'm like absolutely say you it always uh, cut it out if it's that bad it's nah, not we, it's not it's not here's the thing mike and you'll you'll probably relate to this but like i i love that like john bulgens is doing something with haro i love that but it saddens me that the owners of gt aren't going for it the owners of like hutch are trying well, you know, they kind of are, right? I, I would, you know, I'm just guessing. I'd say GT's probably the second biggest numbers out there. Um, with that and the, the Volker Dino, that's GT. Dude, I love, I love Dave Volker. I love that guy with all my heart and soul. But it's like they, GT has put him in a position to, to really just, like, it's all on him to promote that brand because they're not, it's not like Todd where Todd's like, he, Todd's got D blocks. He's got Santos. He's got, you know, all this the SE crew, you know, that, that that's promoting his stuff. You know, you've got people like Hood Rich, and you've got uh, One Way Ryan, and people like that that are on the SE team. And and Todd's doing it the way that I grew up and remembered, like having grassroots efforts. But I don't see GT doing it, and I just wish, I really wish they would. Well. Yeah, this is it's, it's unbelievable what how it's the with the SC thing has grown, right? You got that, uh, you, you're covering both ends with that one guy that his name is Stu something, Who? um, Thompson, oh, yeah, Stu. that guy. Yeah, we know Stu's um, Perry, something or other. Love you, Stu. Love you, Stu, man. Perry, you're covering, I mean, it doesn't get no, no older than. than the beginning of the sport was Stu and Perry, right? And then all the way to D blocks, say. Um, you're covering every aspect almost there, and it's worked out where um, does no one else figure that out? It makes you wonder a little bit, right? So um, it's. Uh, I couldn't even answer. I can't even answer. Well, I Why think it's no one else has figured it out. I, I, and um, to your point, Mike, I, and I think what Isaac is saying too, like we we look at SE and we see the involvement 
And we look at other companies too, and we see their effort. It's not that we don't, okay? We totally see it. GT has a lineup. They've got 29ers coming out left and right. What, what we would like to see, and this is our kind of like, it's not a complaint, but it's more like we wish. We wish we would see more of like sponsored riders coming from these other companies, uh, more, more um, um, uh, I don't know what to call it, Isaac, but we would just like to see, you know, more representation um, on social media, on the rideouts, um, more guys who are involved with promoting that company's big bike scene as SE does. Now, of course, SEs, they're in the stratosphere. I mean, it, it's just on another level. But if you're going to make a lineup, a 29-inch lineup or a 27.5 lineup, let's see some, some folks get on those bikes and ride them and do those things for that company that we can see making that effort towards what SE is doing. And, and so I do commend all those companies, like Isaac said, uh, Bulgins with Haro, uh, the, the GT lineup and, and the folks involved like Volker. But uh, I, would, I would personally like to see more. And I know Isaac and I have talked to the nth degree about it on our show. It's just, you know, it's not to put them down. It's just like we're kind of encouraging the involvement. If you're going to make a bike, put some guys on that bike and let's see, let's see what you can do with it. Yeah, I mean, dude. Well, but remember this, though. SE's been at the forefront of this for as long as it's existed, right? Absolutely. And this is the, the first year they really were able to push with a lot more riders, right? It's not as easy as people think that they can, you can't give out tons of bikes. It just doesn't work that way. Um, uh, John Bielschen, he's a very good friend of mine. And they're dabbling in it, but if that's not their, their bread and butter say what, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, you can't expect much, but Harl, they, 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 they're doing a little bit with it. I think, uh, GT with Volker, you know, I mean, I don't know if you get any better than having him as your rider. Right. Um, he's one of the best guys around. hundred um, percent. Dude, Dave Volker um, is untouchable. I, I will tell you like, as far as like, that man's that man's like overall skills like like Haro has DMC and and GT Dino has has Dave Volker and I mean well better than that Volker's just a great person you know I look at it that way I could care less um, like uh, the last ride we did he uh, this was a while back Blythe or Dominguez uh, this was before. Uh, uh, Volker's bike was out. He was riding one of my fat rippers. Um, <coughs> it's um, to me, it's way more about. I'm stoked to see that he has a bike. Uh, Haro did one with Mike Dominguez. Uh, Blythe, their uh, Pistol P. You know, um, having these riders get a little do, you know, and, and having fun with it is what it's all about. Um, so. I, no, I, I agree with you. I, I love, I love every minute of seeing like day, like I follow Dave on Instagram and just, just, I think maybe a day it was either today or yesterday. Dave posted his son. Yeah. You know, doing, uh, and I'm like, Oh my God, what a pro I'm dude. As a dad, I'm proud of Dave's son for Dave because I'm watching that guy do like, he did like a 360 out of a bowl to a manual back into the bowl and backwards backwards yes dude. Right. you saw it and and 
the other thing that, that, that really like, I don't, I don't know why it touches my heartstrings so much. Maybe it's because I'm a dad, but like there's a photo that Dave posted and it's Dave on his dyno sitting on the edge of the bowl. And I apologize, Dave, that I don't know your son's name. Um, but it's his son doing an air out of a bowl that, I mean, an incredible air, like a Matt Hoffman style air from my era. Um, I mean, this kid is like 20 feet in the air and Dave's just sitting there on his Volker like this and his, his dyno Volker and his son is doing like a 20 foot air out of a bowl on a transition back into a skate park. And I thought, man, what an incredible moment as a father to have that photograph of you and your son doing something as, it, as his 22 year old son's doing that. And he's holding this two week old baby, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one, and just for my input on Volker, if you guys want to see something about, you know, Mike was saying he's a good guy cause Mike knows him. But for those of us that really maybe not know him, go watch Dave's 2017 BMX hall of fame induction video. You want to talk about a moving moment, bro. Go check that out if you really want to see that guy's history and, and everything and how humble he is uh, during his acceptance speech. Dude, he's get, he gave one of the best induction speeches I've seen in the BMX Hall of Fame. It's like he doesn't know how good he is. That's, that's the thing about watching like Dave. It's well, like, he's humble. Yeah, you feel like I'm like, do you realize how good you are, Dave? Like every time I see him, like anytime I see a video of him and he's just like, Oh yeah, with this is that moment we were doing this. I'm like, dude, you don't even understand like what what how good you were. Well, that's why he was so good, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, obviously obviously he's one of the greatest writers of all time, right? But if he just he's a he's a regular guy and he's just a really really good person. Yeah. You know, one of the yeah, things cut, I want to cut that out. Don't let him hear. I said, I said, yeah, that. Isaac, we'll edit that. Right. I won't, I won't edit a bit of that. <laughs> one of the things that Mike just said, kind of, it, it kind of touched um, on what we've been talking about lately, Isaac, about, you know, we were talking about companies not having much involvement in bike life or big bike BMX. Um, and they have bikes in their line. You said something really like that triggered me to think about this, Mike. It may not be in their wheelhouse, dude. And if you think about it, their focus, their, their, their um, attention, say, uh, could be in, in racing or street or park that era. And, and yeah, they, they're in the game, but maybe that's just not their wheelhouse. It kind of made me think, dude, you know, we, could, we can definitely take that on another conversation, but that is a great point. And Mike brought that up, dude. It just may not be in their, in their wheelhouse. Right, they may sell uh, three hundred thousand bikes to Walmart, right? Yeah, okay. and you, you know, there's only so much you could do, right? And you're you're doing what's best for the brand. So, I agree, yeah. I agree, hundred percent. Like, I, I mean, this this hat, this is a Haro hat. You know what I mean? I love Haro. I love John. I I absolutely. I mean, the level of of respect and love I have for John Bulgins and Haro. And I totally understand, like, dude, I can't expect you to, to, to invest, you know, a third of your marketing budget in 29ers, even though I'm like, man. In a market, in a market that's owned by SE. Good luck going against SE, right? Right. Um, 
And, and, and I mean, I don't blame these guys for not doing that. And, and, and it, I mean, what, a, what, a, and that's just a testament. To, I mean, that's, uh, I hate giving Todd, I, I, I got to tell Todd, man, like Todd, like Todd nailed it when it came to big bikes. Well, right now. Okay. Now, now look at it this way. Who could another company brand, right? Could give the dedication like Todd does right? It ain't gonna happen. And what other what other company would let their their brand manager do that? I mean, you know, come on. The f- we all the f- see what he posts, right? What he gets away with. <laughs> oh my god, just the the fact that the fact that the director of SE bikes replies to my Instagram comments. I mean, I can't imagine any other bike company giving that much that much leeway to their their the people that represent them as a director. Yeah, it's incredible. It's uh, it's unheard of, right? I mean, My, sometimes I look at it and go, "What the hell did I text him? What the hell did you just say?" And uh, and it works, but it, it works. works exactly. It works, right? Um, if uh, you know, with the SE brand. On the social media side of it, eighty percent of the people love them and twenty percent hate them. And and uh, yeah, eighty and twenty, but a hundred percent twenty. Uh, and you add that up, a hundred of the hundred percent of the people are talking are about talking. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even if you hate, here's the thing: even if you hate Todd, I promise you love his bikes. Like you may you may not admit it, but I promise you own an SE. Like you own. I mean, I even look at like this week. You know, he had the 20-inch quad ankle drop. And I'm like, I, I, I texted him. I'm like, dude, that's a beautiful bike. Well played. Like, he, he just gets it. He gets, he gets me as a demographic. I, I won't buy a 20-inch bike because I, I just can't ride him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just too, I'm too old for that. But, like, he gets it. Um, but, Mike, I have a question for you. Um, and, and and I've been I've been waiting like twenty oh, so, minutes. To ask so you're done this. talking about Volker and Haro on my interview. I I will absolutely keep talking about Volker and Haro, and I will talk <laughs> about all of those guys all day long with you, brother. Um, but but seeing that zero nine, seeing that zero nine uh, standee that you have, is there any like what do you have from from growing up that like do you have anything that you that, that you're like man I still have this from the old days, like I have any, do you, do you keep, did you keep anything? Nothing, nothing. That, that zero nine, that cardboard cutout, <laughs> I have that. Um, I have a lot of photos, you know, um, but no, not much. Isaac's heart is broken right now. I, here's, here's a good story. So when I quit riding the CW I had, was the serial number was buff zero zero one on it i gave it to some local kid in my neighborhood probably about i'm guessing eight years ago or something maybe less than that i get messaged on facebook hey this kid said this was your bike gave the whole story he goes is it a true story i said yeah. the kid sold it for four grand oh boy yeah that is crazy. I learned my lesson and give a crap away, huh? I, I relate to that so hard because I have like the two bikes that I, I had growing up. I had a Harrow Master and I had an uh, all my BMX Museum 
friends will 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 die right now. But I had what was called it was an Ozone, which is a bike company that was in in Northern California. It's like a Holy Grail bike um, because people they just didn't make a whole bunch of them. Um, I gave I gave my Haro Master frame. I gave a bully uh, a bully bash guard. And I gave uh, a Harrow Master to these two kids that lived in my apartment building when I was probably 25. I got married and I'm like, I'm not riding anymore. And uh, I gave them away, dude. And, and like, I promise you these kids did not ride them like, like I expected them to. But I was like, hey, man, enjoy these. Have fun. And I was just hoping that they would have like, you know, something would give them the same freedom that I felt from those bikes. But you know, it, it's one of those things like I, I totally relate to that. You gave your bike away and, and you hoped the best for it. And, and, you know, what can you do? Right. And if I had had it still had to this day, honestly, it wouldn't have no meaning for me. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have no connection with it. Um, and I think I think at the last show of every tour, we gave away everything we had almost, you know, just to get rid of it, didn't have to bring it home and and start over again. Yeah. Mike, I'm going to wrap up. I mean, we've been talking for a while now. Um, I'm going to ask one last question. Do you have, and then I'll hand it over to Craig. You can, you can wrap up with your, with the final question. Um, Mike, what would you say? And this is probably the hardest question I could probably even ask you, but like, what would you say is your fondest memory of, of the, your entire bike life career, your bike career, do you have a fondest memory? Is it is it the Astrodome? I mean, was it what would be your your most the thing that, that when you go to bed at night and you think I'm Mike Buff? Do you do you have a, a, a most fond memory that you have, or is it just all collective? Um, probably all collective. You know, um, probably the thing I if I th- if I talk to someone or think about something. Well, it's most important to me. I hope I was just a good person to people, you know, and did it the right way. And, and that's what's important to me. I, I can attest, I think you did it the right way, brother, because, I mean, on behalf of, like, every kid that grew up that, that found inspiration every, you know, every month, looking through those magazines and, and trying to be better at bikes – because of what you and RL and Bob and just what you, the foundation that you gave a lot of us, um, it, it's just untouchable. I mean, I, there's, there's nothing, I could tell you like no other sport could possibly give me the rewards that, that freestyle gave me. And you were such a huge part of that. Um, well, thank so just, you. just thank you that. for that. It was a, uh... Like I said earlier, it was just such an amazing time in life for everyone. You know what? I don't care what level you were on in the sport. You shared the love of the sport. And and um, the connections it has brought to this day still. I'm uh, I'm doing a collab. I don't know if you guys have seen the with a, a company called Paint Huffer. They're like the largest – supplier of flake to painters like you know harley's uh lowrider cars and stuff they're doing a bike for me that's gonna fucking blow everyone away i mean it's gonna be painted probably um it's in the process right now of i, I might be afraid to ride it <laughs> and what they're doing to it 
it, it's going to be, it's going to take a, a, the paint job of a bicycle to the next level. And uh, it's going to be really, really cool. But I mean, the connections that the, the sport has given me to this day, it blows me away. But then you see what kids that were fan of the sport those days, what they've done with their lives, it blows me away. You know, it, it's produced a lot of talented people. I, yeah, I agree. I got to, I got to tell you, um, paint Huffer is about three miles down the road from my house. Oh, really? I yeah. may be going there soon. Let's hang out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, they want me to go there for the, like when they, they debut it and he, they're actually doing a bike for them also. So, uh, um, it's going to be wild. I'm really, really excited about it. You let me know. I'm in Gilbert, Arizona. They're in Chandler and they're literally right. like four, they are about four blocks. I mean, or, or four miles from where I'm yeah, at. Right definitely. Now. When you guys get below 80 degrees, I'll come. Yeah. It'll, it'll be like November brother. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm really stoked on, on that project with them. Yeah. I can't wait to see that, man. Cause the way you talked about it, it's going to be insane off the hook. Um, Mike, I, as we wrap this up, um, I didn't want to end on a final question. I kind of want to end on a final comment. And the first thing I want to do is I want to thank you um, immensely for showing up, man. It, it's been such an honor for me. I feel like I'm a 47-year-old man sitting here, but my heart and my soul is about 13 years old um, going through this interview with you. Um, so thank you for, for giving us the opportunity to, uh, to have you here on the show. And, and just for all of our listeners, man, I, I hope that uh, I asked and Isaac asked all the, all the inquiring questions everyone wants to know. But what I want to say really is commending you for, for what you've said tonight, for talking about how, you know, the bike life scene now is no different really than freestyling was back in the 80s or as street was in the 90s and, and all that. Because the, the first and foremost thing we have to do is we have to have fun. And we have to maintain our bonds um, that are all associated, associated back down to bikes, man. And it really is the grassroots of what we do, the, the friendships, the family, and the bonds that we have. And, and for, you know, for us to hear it coming from you, someone who's you know, been there since this all started you know, way back when we were kids. But you know, it's, it's so true. You're, what you say is like evident in, in – and, and I'm seeing it out there and I just want to, everyone to know, listen to Mike, you know, this is all about having fun, keeping the friendships going. And it, if you want it to progress and you want it to be something bigger, take it where you want it to go. It's up to you. You guys hold it in your hands. You can cultivate it however you want, but, but just keep having fun with it. Keep grinding, keep working hard, keep riding every day. You heard Mike, he was riding five, six, seven days a week, eight, 10 hour days. So Mike, thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. Appreciate you here, and uh, if you're going to Arizona, I'm coming to hang out with you guys, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna stay in California. <laughs> you're hanging out there, buddy. But again, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate you being out. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for doing this. Right, it, it, it's bringing bringing it all full circle, and and let's do what's right for the sport. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, what a great show, man. Isaac, uh, if, unless you have any last words, um, you, you want to take us out or you want me to? Dude, you do the best job of taking us out. I will do tell you, do I, dude? 
you you really do uh you you are the best you are the best barker at this that's awesome man everybody keep your eye on mike buff and his limited releases daughter designed mike i would definitely take one of those hats uh and anything else you put out brother i am definitely a fan like i said from the heart from way back um Thank you again, Mike. And to everybody out there, uh, we want to give a huge shout out to you for listening and being part of our show. Uh, If you are first time here, make sure you like and subscribe to YouTube. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of these rad interviews with such rad guests like Mike Buff uh, going forward. And if you also want to listen, we're on uh, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to have you there too. Come check us out. And for the Big Bike BMX show and our special, special guest, Mike Buff and Isaac Irvine, this is BMX Craig saying, take care. Thank you for showing up. We love you guys. And we are out of here.